Good morning, afternoon or evening, wherever you are in the world and welcome to the bloody awesome movie podcast. My name is Matt Hudson from What I Watch Tonight and joining me as ever is the pod prince, all round top man and the statesman to my kingsman, John Burke from BurkeReviews.com. How's it going, Matt? <laughs> Not bad, thank you. Uh, busy weekend, it's um, my daughter's birthday coming up in the next few days so Shout out and happy birthday to Olivia. She's going to be three. She's not listening to this, uh, but she will do one day. Uh, so it's been pretty hectic trying to get that um, all sorted out. But other than that, not too bad. How about yourself? Uh, you've been busy. Uh, yes, uh, just got back from New York. Um, that's why we're a week late with Bloody Awesome, because I was in New York the weekend we normally record this. The, the, we usually record the first weekend of the, uh, the new month, because we always look back at a month in movies and um so we're a week late because of that i was at the tribeca film festival watching a bunch nice. of upcoming films that hopefully some of you have got to see in fact one everyone can watch right now the extremely wicked shockingly evil and vile is on netflix i saw with uh, zach efron and lily collins um Haley so joel Osment in audience it was uh, they did a cool q a afterwards which was really good um and the director was there too. I, I just keep forgetting his name, but Joe Berlinger. There it is. Wow. <laughs> and then, <laughs> um, and then I get back to work on Monday, and we're in like full testing mode because uh, there's all these like end of course state exams and stuff. Uh, so it's just been like a hectic week. My my brain has been everywhere, and then all these movies are coming out, dude. Like it's just <laughs> no. like every weekend, it's like five movies are coming out this month, um, and not all of them look good, but some of them look really good. I think the uh, the weekend Godzilla comes out. There's like four I want to watch. Um, so yeah, th- this month is going to be super hectic. But I'm going to try to see as many movies uh, from the summer releases as I can. Um, and we'll be talking uh, today's episode about April, right? Yeah, um, as you all know, the bloody awesome movie podcast is monthly, and we talk about the months just gone in movies. We talk about the major movies that were released and uh, anything else we saw that month as well. Uh, whether that's cinematically or streaming. So yeah, we're talking April. And again, disclaimer, everything we talk about is spoiler-free. There is one film that came out in April, which may prove fairly difficult to talk spoiler-free, but judging by uh, certain box office returns, it would seem like everyone in the world has seen it anyway. But yeah, spoiler-free, we're going to talk April, we're going to talk the four major films that we think anyway came out, and then kind of the best or worst of the rest. So if you're ready, John, shall we? I'm ready, buddy. Let's jump into this. Let's jump in. First up is Shazam, directed by David F. Sandberg and stars Zachary Levi, Mark Strong, Asher Angel, Jack Dylan Grazer, Adam Brody, and uh, Jimon Hunsu. Uh, it's got a fairly decent return, actually. 358 million bucks worldwide. Um, DC. We all know D- DC have become sort of a, uh, a joke almost because of their grey filters, their brooding films where batman superman man of steel some of those are quite good films uh, amongst others wonder woman uh suicide squad aquaman came out to success suicide squad might not have been great but let's not forget it's an academy award winning movie yes. aquaman just aquaman jumped into the billion dollar club and wonder woman opened up a lot of doors so dc are on the right track and then they kind of drop in shazam now for me i wasn't overly uh clued up on who shazam or Billy Batson was so I was going in fairly blind as somebody who hadn't read the comic books but uh, I'd seen the trailers I enjoyed that I liked the vibe they came off uh, from it the the big the Tom Hanks movie vibe a lot of people said mm-hmm. it's clear that it is but Definitely. Um, yeah so I mentioned 
David F. Sandberg, the Lights Out director, he he directed this, and Shazam, I thought was a was a real good fun film. It's a it's a superhero film that just wanted to have a bit of fun, a bit of a laugh. Um, yeah, that like I mentioned, is a big old big vibe here. Uh, Asher Angel, aka Billy Batson, he's uh he's just a kid who uh, finds a way to basically get to the point in his life where he can just say Shazam and he gets to play a big, buff, goofy superhero called, uh, played by... Who, well, he doesn't quite have a name in the film as you find that they try to give him various names but he's played by Zachary Levi who is fabulous in this role. He really, really is having a good time in this but this is probably DC's most fun, light-hearted film. The gags are really good. There's one moment in particular... Uh, where Mark Strong's villain, Dr. Zivano, is given like a, a bad guy monologue in midair, and I was literally dying with laughter during this scene. There's a real um, old-fashioned vibe, and I mean that in a, right, in a good way. There's a couple of moments where it looked like this film could have been set in like the late 80s, early 90s. It's kind of a Ghostbusters vibe with the bad dudes as well. Um, and it's, do you know what I liked about this film? It didn't take itself too seriously. We have had comic book films... In recent years, which have had the argument levied against it that they're not—they're taking themselves too seriously. I guess even the Dark Knight, in a way, could be said, could yeah. have that. But that's yeah. a, also a very good film. Others yes. aren't up to that standard. Not saying Shazam necessarily is, but it doesn't take itself too seriously. There's a brilliant self-awareness to this. It gets it just right. The screenplay is good. The writing's good. The villain gets more development than the hero, which I found interesting. There was a setup for sequels, but I didn't mind the way it was written. Some of the CGI is a bit iffy, but there's enough going on and enough enjoyment to make you kind of take your mind off that. But I mentioned in my review that you get those films every now and then that come along and just bring out the kid in you because who didn't mm-hmm. want to have superpowers as a kid? I did. Yeah, but I want super, them now. <laughs> I would love them now, yeah, to stop eating donuts is for me. But you know, for me, superhero films, I like the... I, I do sometimes like those big broody ones. But I just want to have a bit of fun with them sometimes. When you've got a guy dressed up in red spandex with a big old lightning bolt on his chest, I want it to have a bit of fun as well. And Shazam bought the fun. It had a good story to it. It was just the right runtime. The the cast, including the youngsters, and Jack Dylan Grazer, who was in it last year, um, a year before, sorry. It, it's just a really, really good, um, really good performance by the ensemble. I liked the visuals, I loved the music, I just loved the vibe. And I went into this film not knowing anything about the character, came out absolutely loving it. So for me, Shazam was a big hit. Now, I know you're a, you're more of a superhero slash comic book yep. aficionado, so what, did you know much about the character I did. going in? Um, I, I actually, when the New 52, which was when DC relaunched their books for the first time in history, mm-hmm. everything started back at one. Um, this That was probably ten years ago, nine years ago, something like that. I jumped on literally every book for like the first six months. I was buying almost everything I could, and just devouring all the content because it was like everything was starting over. So it was a really good time to jump in and kind of learn. It, it wasn't redoing origin stories necessarily, but some of them were. And Shazam was one that they really shifted because it for a long time he was Captain Marvel, um, yes, which yeah. obviously there was conflict with Marvel for that, but. Um, and there's a, a, a you know a lot of history to this character, how he ended up in the DC universe and everything else. But um, I was immediately taken, and the New Fifty Two version is definitely where a lot of this story comes from. Um, you know, him being 
uh, an orphan, a little dejected, um, having the, the foster family is definitely from the New 52 version of this character. And um, I was into those books. I really enjoyed them. I liked them a whole lot. Uh, it took a little while for him to get brought into the comics because they, they started, I think his first appearance was in one of the Justice League books. Um, before they they branched him out and gave him the Shazam book, um, but I I'm a fan of the character anyways. I, I really like I like the big element even in the comics. You know where you have the kid, but then he gets to turn into the superhero, and um, you know the the superhero in a lot of ways he's even more immature than the kid um, <laughs> yeah. because he's he's still a kid, but now he has powers. There's like. You know, it's a kid who has no fears, essentially. And he could do adult things. Yeah, and he looks like a really hunky adult, so there's no... What's the what's the concerns? Um, I, I had a blast with this film. By far, since we talked Snyder DC, so going from Man of Steel to this movie, this is my favorite DC movie. Um, that's, so I'm excluding all the movies beforehand. Uh, yeah, oh, I agree with you there, yeah. Yeah, this is my favorite. Um, I know some people were really into Aquaman... I, I really feel Aquaman was overrated. I, I thought it was not nearly as good as people were praising it. I like Wonder Woman until the very end. I think the third act really <laughs> falls hard. Um, this movie, I, I think it has some of those problems. I think uh, the I, I actually like Mark Strong's villain, but the other villains that work with him, I think mm-hmm. the, the design's kind of weak, and it, it it's a interesting concept and i honestly don't know them from the comics so i don't know if they were staying true to the books or if it was just kind of lazy design because um i don't want to say what they are because i feel like that is kind of spoiler but i don't know there's there's stuff about it that i feel could have been something else um or at least looked more in line with what they're being described as and yeah. uh but at as far as like the story and the fun um this movie does some crazy stuff with tone because the Dr. Savannah storylines that we get his childhood. And then as an adult, there is some really dark content in those scenes. Um, and then there's these extreme fun moments and like, um, magic lightning fingers or something is one of the first nicknames, sparkly fingers, something <laughs> like some That's of the, sparkly fingers, yeah. the names they come up with are so funny. And, um, Freeman, uh, impressed me with it. I, I think the kids got natural comedic timing, which is impressive for kids because a lot of times kids trying to be the funny kid is annoying and and this kid has nailed it uh this time i know he's not the funny one finn wolfhard is the funny one in it but i really liked him as the broken arm kid in it as well and so here he gets to be the funny kid he's cracking jokes he knows all about superheroes and he he's also able to pull a good emotional you know arc in the film as well and all the kids, even uh, the Faith Herman, who plays Darla, super cute. Oh, she was great. Yeah, and that that uh, performance could have been like super annoying or precocious, and instead she's she's very charming and sincere. Um, I like the the uh, foster parents too. I thought they were really you know believable. Um, and then there's some cool twists in this film. Nothing major. There's no like Shyamalan twist, but there's. There's some cool stuff that maybe if you aren't familiar with the books, you won't see coming. Um, and if you are, it's a really cool nod to the books and the fans of the books uh, when some stuff goes down. And I I thought it was just a heartfelt, fun superhero movie that felt like a comic book. Like, of the DC movies, this was the most comic book in every sense of the idea. Like, it's fun, um, but it's still serious. Like, there is, like, in, there's there's consequences. There's stakes here. Um 
and you you care about the characters it, it's you know it it's not overly like dark or or and i don't mean tonally i mean look because the snyder movies and wonder <laughs> woman when the villain fights go down it like becomes a surreal looking world like the world no longer looks like earth it's just we've left the plane of existence that we were just on because this fight has to happen somewhere else so it's going to be and god look at justice league which at least kind of makes sense because of all of the yeah agreed <laughs> um, but like the when they're fighting the villains it's like it's this ugly landscape and uh this movie always looks like we're where we're supposed to be we're in philadelphia um and i i man there's some really cool stuff in this movie i i enjoyed a lot of it um i i can't wait to own it to be honest like this i haven't said that about a dc film since wonder woman wow i haven't bought aquaman um, I did buy <laughs> Justice League, but only because I'm a I'm a collector, and so I already have all the other ones. So I felt like I needed to have it. Um, I'll buy Aquaman when I find it for ten bucks, but that's how much I paid for Justice League as well. But um, <laughs> like I did buy Wonder Woman day one. Uh, Shazam, I probably won't buy day one, but I will. I won't wait for it to go on sale. Like I am definitely going to add this to my collection. Uh, I had a blast with this. Uh, Zachary Levi, um, I've not seen in a lot of stuff. I didn't watch Chuck. Um, but I loved him in this movie. He's so much fun. Um, it, he kind of reminds me of a uh, Brendan Fraser type character, you know, like, yes. um, like in mummy or, uh, even in the where there's like a serious, but goofy quality about goofy. him. Goofy, Yes. Right. Yeah. Uh, that I, I just think it works and I, it, it works for me especially. So. Yeah. I, this, yeah, I think it's DC's best re- uh, recent offering or modern offering. There's nothing wrong with Wonder Woman, but like you say, as soon as you get David Thewlis with that moustache trying to look intimidating, you think, get out of here. That's not yeah. going to work in that CG battle. Aquaman, Aquaman, sorry, or Aquaman, sorry, for my US listeners. I enjoyed it. It went on for far too long, and anyone shouting that it should have had an Academy Award nomination was out of their mind for visuals because it wasn't a good visual film. It looked, it, you know, it popped off the screen colour-wise, but yeah. it didn't look very good. Um, there were some was, cool action too sequences long. in it, like, and there I like were, but Gal Gadot is fantastic. Like, I don't oh, in yeah, any way want to criticize Wonder her. Wonder Woman but... was the better film over over Aquaman. Aquaman was too long for me. Yep. Wonder Woman was good; it had more of an emotional punch. But yeah, the CG fest at the end ruined it. Um, Shazam has CG in it, of course, but like you said, the kind of the the battles feel like they are happening within this realm of um, possibility they, they are on earth they're in Philadelphia sometimes they're at night but that's I don't feel like they use night to cover up the effects because we also get uh, after uh, daylight battles as well but yeah. I, I think the action is done really well in this film and the tone like you say the tone is spot on for me this is what I want from a comic book film I uh, don't get me wrong I love the like I mentioned it, the, the broody film or the dark films like Nolan's trilogy and some of the more recent ones but this is a film about because a film about a guy who dressed up in spandex. I want to have some fun whilst watching it. I want there to be stakes and some cool action, mm-hmm. uh, some emotional um, undercurrents. But I also want to have a little bit of fun with it, not to take yourself too seriously, but and to come out and think I had a great time with that. And Shazam, I say surprisingly because I wasn't jumping up and down, you know, banging on the box office waiting to buy my ticket straight away for this. I I knew of the hype. And I knew that there was kind of a groundswell because the trailers were getting good and we were getting a lot of uh, buzz about it. But I wasn't, you know, going to be running out to watch it straight away. Yeah. As it turned out, I did watch it fairly, you know, I, I watched it quite soon after it came out. It took me a while to get my review out. But um, I, I, I regret not going to see it on that first day because I thought 
It's just brilliant. This is one of the most fun experiences I've had uh, in a cinema this year. Yeah, I um, I completely agree. I, I you know, I, there's a lot of superhero movies this year. There's a lot of even just comic book movies this year. In fact, this episode we'll be talking about three comic book movies. <laughs> um, but uh, of them, I would say it's it's in the upper area. And who would have thought that about a DC film at this point? You know, um, yeah, agreed. Yeah. And I mean, we got there's more to come this year. I, uh, you know, and I I am a fan of comic books, but I do also like I don't want every movie I see to be a comic book movie. Um, despite liking comic book movies, you know, yep. um, I'll get flamed for this because I know that there is no comic book fatigue. Because look at how well films do. Even the even the bad ones, apart from one we're going to talk about soon, you know, they make bank. But I we've we've just we've got Spider Man coming up soon, and even then I'm thinking let me breathe we've, got, yeah. we've only just had all these other Captain Marvel and other films and we've got Spider-Man I know we haven't got any any Marvel films scheduled necessarily from then on until they release no. the next slate um, but we hear of things like uh, Star Wars fatigue or Marvel fatigue or whatever but they do feel like they're coming thick and fast at the minute and in, I, I know Shazam didn't feel entirely tied to a universe and when they did have nods I think the, the DC nods and tie-ins were done actually quite well yeah, agreed but when you've got a when you've got a, a cinematic universe and you kind of feel like you have to keep up with it, they they are coming quite thick and fast. I do yeah. agree, which is probably why I'm looking forward to Joker later on in the year because that is a bona fide standalone film. I can go watch it and not have to w- worry or care about what came before or afterwards. I would like. Um, I wish they would have made Spider Man like a November or October release, mm-hmm. um, just to give us a little more recovery time because I I am a big fan of Tom Holland Spider Man. I am very excited about Far From Home, but I would have liked a couple more months after Endgame before yeah. going to see another Marvel movie, uh, especially because this one was so climactic. It, it ends things. You know, things are we 22 movies. We have hit a final like period. And now, yes, we know they're going to continue, but this book is closed. A new book is going to open with Far From Home. So I would have liked... A few more months before I opened up that that next book, you know. I agree. Well, uh, we're gonna t- uh, we we may be talking the Infinity Saga shortly. Yeah. So let's save that one. Let's save that one for that one. Let's. Um, get... But yeah, I love Shazam, and I think you did too. Uh, I think I gave it the not quite golden uh, rating on my site. So um, I think I gave it eight out of ten. Hey, that's about the same. Um, next up for uh, April, we're talking Pet Cemetery. Um, came out April fifth here in the U.S., uh, directed by Kevin Kolsch and Dennis Widmeyer, two names that I'm sure I've said completely correctly. Um, you did quite well. Jason Clark, Amy Simitz, and John Lithgow are, are adult stars, um, and I think the kids deserve a nod, right? Uh, Jetty Lawrence, yeah. or Jette Lawrence, I'm not sure. Um, and then we have twins, Hugo Lavoie and Lucas Lavoie, who I feel like were recently on something else uh, that I thought was good, maybe not. No, I guess not. Um, there's a lot of twin actors uh, that keep popping up in my, my recents, so I can't keep track of when it was an interesting thing or not. This one was not. Um, and then uh, I guess Ob- Obasa Ahmed deserves a nod too. But, um, and Church the Cat. And Church the Cat. Uh, I'm sure there was multiple cats. But um, <laughs> I, I am not a Stephen King fan in the sense of I've not read his books. 
I'm not opposed to Stephen King either, so I'm not sitting here saying, like, I don't like him. I'm just saying I'm not one of those people who are, like, a diehard fan who thinks he's a genius. Um, mm-hmm. I've seen several of the films based off of his books. I've never read a single book by him. Um, but, you know, I saw it, both versions of it. I saw the original, and then I saw the uh, two-year-ago version, and I will see the new one uh, coming out this year. Um, I watched... Uh, the Shining, I love Kubrick's version of The Shining, even though King hates it. Um, and then I, uh, Gerald's Game I've seen, and I've seen Carrie a long time ago. It's been a while. Um, but, you know, for the most part, I am not too versed. And I honestly don't believe I've ever sat through the original Pet Cemetery all the way, at least not as an adult. Um, I may have watched it. I, I definitely remember parts of it from being a kid. I think I was too afraid of it to really sit and watch it. Um, <laughs> I might have watched it through, like, my fingers kind of thing, but... Um, I went into this movie very uninterested, primarily because of the lead. Um, I have gone on record, and I'm sorry, Jason Clark, because if you he- ever hear this, you probably hate me. Um, but I, I, I don't don't get why you get leading roles. I, I find you to be unbelievably boring as an actor, and this movie maybe works because of that, but it still doesn't make it enjoyable for me. And um, I. I honestly barely even remember this movie at this point, dude. Usually this is not an issue for me when we talk movies. I am just like, yeah, I saw it and I could care two craps about it. Um, <laughs> if I want to talk about a horror movie from this year, let's talk about Us again because I, I got Yo. tons to say about that. <laughs> um, this movie was, to me, very forgettable. Uh, I think there's some... There's obviously, even having not been like really immersed in this movie or in this story beforehand from the book or from the original film, um, I still knew the major component of this film that they shift (laughs) and change, which I would love to say is a spoiler, but the marketing ruins it. That was ridiculous. Even though the film treats it like it's a reveal, like it's, they, they make you think it's going to go one way in the movie, but then it goes a different way. And the trailer completely takes that out. And I can't... It has to be the biggest flub in marketing I've ever seen as far as a story twist. Because in the movie, it's very clear the filmmakers want you to think the original method or the original story is going to play the same. And then there's a shift. And the the marketing totally steals that. And I, I remember you posting about that. You were so like, what in the world? And mm-hmm. I completely agree. I think that was a major detra- distraction because I was never worried because I knew for a fact, I knew going into this movie, having seen the trailer, <laughs> what was going to happen. So I was like, okay, this, this doesn't play for drama for me. Um, I did like John Lithgow. Uh, I thought Amy Simons was, was solid. I didn't like any of the stuff they did with her, her this like flashbacks and her background. I, I, it felt so forced to me. And I understand that's actually pretty much the way the book is and stuff too at least from what i've heard and i i just feel like it it doesn't it doesn't add up as far as the way things play i think where i don't click with this is on its surface i am not interested in this story i get that there's a lot of deeper themes that the the film's exploring about death and about mourning and loss um i just i feel like there's better ways or there's better stories out there that deal with those same themes in ways that connect for me and I just don't connect with this, um, especially because I do. I have very different views on like death and dealing with death. Like I, I just lost someone very close to me, um, a, a former student who died of CF. Um, 
and it, it it's hard like knowing that i'll never see him again i'll never talk to him again i won't get to hear his uh his happy hello or you know see his uh cosplay posts and things like that but at the same time like i have this accepting kind of this is a part of life point of view and mm-hmm. so i do not relate to any of the stuff the character decides to do in 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 his morning because i'm just like dude what is wrong with you this is like you're a doctor you have to know that death is a reality like like i don't know man like i i just can't click with this and i never felt scared um really i, I even some of the jump scares i don't think ever really work for me um i do think there's some creepy stuff and i think there's some solid imagery uh it's just man i i really could care less about that <laughs> I mean, you, uh, I'm going to stand up for Jason Clark here. Okay. Anyone who has survived being in Winchester and Serenity <laughs> deserves credit. <laughs> Come on. Uh, so you know what? Two of the worst films. It's in funny. The last Twenty-four months. Yeah. Months. Because I'm I'm dissing this guy, and like those movies just add to my, my the fuel to the fire. <laughs> Terminator <laughs> Genesis. Oh God, dude. <laughs> yeah. Maybe um, maybe it's the problem. I just keep seeing him in really bad movies. Utter. Crap! But then he was in Mudbound, which was a good film. Yeah, but Dawn I didn't like him in Mudbound. The, the Panty Ape. Oh no! Um, uh, First Man. The White House Down. White House Down. Yeah, White House Down. He's in Night of Cups, which was, ay ay ay. Um, Pet Cemetery. I, uh, I'm, I'm on a slightly different um, narr- uh, thoughts to you. I, en- I enjoyed Pet Cemetery for what it was. I thought, as as far as Stephen King films and adaptations go. This isn't the best of them. It's uh, it isn't the best of the Stephen King adaptations, but I think it's still pretty good. Um, it's the the Mary Lambert version from the eighties is I don't know that has become a cult classic. It has. It yeah. looks really dated. It does. I, I revisited it about a year or eighteen months ago, and it looks dated, feels dated. So when when I, I sometimes say why are they remaking this? Pet Cemetery was a film which actually was fairly ripe for a remake. I think if. Um, I know people who may be beholden to that original may disagree, but in terms of bringing something up to date and making it look a, a bit better, Pet Cemetery was, you know, I've got no issue them remaking the film. I, I didn't mind the twist in the film. Now, I prefix that by saying that I spoke to, I've mentioned to John, I never watched any of the trailers for this film. Sometimes I, I don't always watch trailers for any film because I quite like going in totally, un, totally unspoiled or unprepared. Um, so I didn't watch any of the trailers, but then I also read on social media, don't watch the trailers because they give away what happens. It, like, there was a big old hoopla about it, there was an uproar about it, so I thought I'm definitely not going to watch it. And I'm so glad that I didn't because, I mean, the film itself kind of, it you could kind of see it coming slightly in the film. Yeah. But I can imagine sitting in John's shoes watching the film, having these moments play out and thinking, well, that was great. I already knew what happened. I could see how that would completely detract from the film and and really ruining any momentum it may have had. So yeah. if anyone's listening to this and hasn't seen the film and hasn't seen the trailers, keep it that way. But I didn't mind it. Everybody, I thought everybody in their roles was good. Jason Clark is surprisingly decent, I thought, for what he had to do. I do agree with some of the um, character decisions that they made him do as a doctor. Yeah. But John John Lithgow is excellent. John Lithgow is usually yeah. always excellent. I, I like I him don't most know. times. The young girl, I think, is it Jatay Lawrence? Yeah. She had a uh, she was Ellie Creed. She had a fairly challenging role, and I think she held her own. And yeah, Church of Cats, an evil little, an evil little thing. 
horrible looking thing. But I like what I liked about Church the Cat was they put a bow tie on him and took him to the premiere of the film. So he oh. got his uh, he got his moment in the sun. But the the it, there's a the film isn't all that long either. I want to say it's about an hour and a half maybe, and it really thunders along. And what I didn't like about it was that in doing that, in kind of getting from A to B to C so quickly, it missed out or dropped what could have been some quite decent exposition, which would have added more depth to the theme and mystery because there is the the mystery of the pet cemetery and all that is is you know if it, it, it's there because or there's nothing nothing's ever delved into it's just yeah. there and sometimes you don't need to know but sometimes you do and in this case I think you really would have done um like you said it's a horror film and I always can't whether it's a comedy or a horror film I always gauge by its one key merit is it scary it, I thought this film had its moments it, it managed to create an atmosphere I thought the cinematography, I think Laurie Rose, the cinematographer, she really was on form here. Yeah. But a lot of that also came down to the fact that I hadn't seen the trailer. Had I done, most of the major scares are in the trailer and it would have spoiled it for me. What I will say is I think that this, I think um, It from 2017 is the better film by far. Yeah. But I think this film was actually scarier than that film was, I, I think. Really? But, uh, I do, yeah. I think the scares are slightly more effective. They were more... It may have also been because it was shorter and they had, to, they had you know, less time to fit stuff in, so they kind of just went for it at one point. But I thought the acting was good. The score by Chris Young was decent. The pacing let the film down, I think, because that really took away what could have added some more meaning and depth to the film. But I guess if you want a decent horror film, very decent horror film, for me, I think watch Pet Cemetery. It's good, it's good whilst it's on. I haven't really ever sat here since and thought... I really want to rewatch Pet Cemetery, but whilst I was watching it, I enjoyed it. It wasn't—it's not the best film I've seen here. Probably, it's, it's certainly not the best horror film. You've mentioned Us. I'd yeah. like to see what's going to usurp that. But we've got um, Midsummer coming oh, out soon, and uh, it Chapter Two and stuff like that. So hey, we got uh, Child's Play and Annabelle. Mark Hamill was Child's Play. Yeah, The Return. Annabelle, The Return. Uh, we got Conjuring Three or oh, whatever. One uh, of them's coming out. I think the Grudge remakes coming out as well. So. But I don't know if that's been pushed back or not. But uh, Pet Cemetery, yeah. As far as Stephen King films go, it was decent. It's not the best of his, but I was, I, I was, ex- it was satisfying enough for me. I didn't mind this film. It's, I think it's done. What it has done is it's it's raked in a hundred six million bucks worldwide for a twenty million budget. Yeah, it's a successful for people people who what like horror films. I would say you know kind of rushed out to see this. I think. Or gave this their time because that's a that's a good return. I do want to point out too that I I didn't like I don't feel like it's a bad movie. Like I didn't sit there like with Winchester or with uh, <laughs> Slenderman where I'm like angry at the movie. There was like one or two scenes in this film where I'm like I don't like that. Jason Clark I think there was a part where he like was upset and I thought it was real cheesy. Like I think I rolled my eyes at it, um, <laughs> but. There is some stuff with the story that I don't get, and one of the big criticisms I heard that I thought was appropriate was changing the uh, the spirit guide to a, a black character. While yes, yeah, yeah, you might want to make an argument like, oh, good, they added some diversity in an otherwise predominantly white film. The problem is they inserted a trope uh, named by <laughs> Spike Lee, and I'm going to say the name because it is the name of the trope is the magical Negro. They put that into a story where it didn't have one. And that's not a good thing because that trope is not okay. The trope, basically, if you're not familiar with the concept, it um, puts a black character who is only purpose is to serve 
the white character with their magical abilities and that is they literally inserted that into this movie when it did not need to be like because to me make jason clark's character black why not it doesn't matter what race he is at all like i would be a little surprised if if judd were black but again if you made judd black that's the same problem you're creating a a magical negro trope again yep agreed yeah so um that's a shame when it wasn't there and then you you put in a trope that hollywood is desperately trying to remove from its films um or at least we want to believe they are (laughs) that you know we're trying to be better about having leads that are african-american or asian or whatever not white um or not male even and here it is this these guys uh probably thought they were doing a cool thing but and i that whole spirit guy thing bugged the crap out of me i did not understand how it was why it worked or how it worked like it didn't make any sense to me why it was happening um and even some of the stuff that he says it's like it's so cryptic and like you mentioned it doesn't really dive into the lore of the pet cemetery so much yep. so a lot of the things that he says is really confusing it's like well wait what now about <laughs> like, yeah um and if anything like it seems like you're tricking him but it doesn't make sense that you're tricking him so like i don't i didn't like a lot of that uh part of it and again i still don't think this is a bad movie it just does not connect for me and so i i didn't enjoy it and that's uh, the difference of like slender man i think is a horribly made bad piece of crap movie <laughs> this is not for me i've heard other people praise this uh, a film critic that i'm a fan of chris evangelista from slash film mm-hmm. he loves this yep. movie has overpraised it there's like and i'm not saying overpraise it in that i don't agree with him but it's that he's talked about it a lot a lot more than he talks about other movies because this is a film he was really really hyped for he's admittedly a big fan of the book and all that i it worked for him perfectly for me i'm just like i don't see what you see but hey that's what art is right it's whatever we nice film yeah so. and it's a well-made film like you said it's, it's not a it's not that the film is like i mean slender man for whatever production problems it had mm-hmm. it was still released cinematically so we're going to pick it apart it was a horrendously made film yeah but the pet cemetery is not it's, it's proficient no. it's, you know, it's a very well-made film yes exactly but um yeah i there was more that they could have done more maybe but you know i liked what i got from it it's and um, i'm you know i'm not gonna i'm certainly not gonna put it down it, i don't think it's gonna like it's not gonna be the best horror film of the year it hasn't been already i think there's gonna be another Stephen king film maybe even two with um the ewan mcgregor shining uh sequel coming out as well i forgot about which that. may was well, gonna I think, i'd imagine that's more of a thriller i don't know not a thriller but that's not going to be straight up horror, I don't think. But I, even though I've read the book, but I won't say any more. But um, so I'm not sure it's going to be the best King adaptation. But Pet Cemetery was pretty, pretty good. I, it, it didn't tear up any trees, but I'm certainly not going to um, sit here and tell you that you were wrong for not enjoying it as much as I did. But I didn't enjoy it as much as Chris Evangelista did either. But I just thought it was pretty good. There you go. Well, that's for the that's for the next. Yeah, I know. That's like we're going from. Not so, like not so good to pretty bad. So, as for the next film, man, Woo, we're talking Hellboy, directed by uh, a director who I have a lot of respect for, Neil Marshall, um, and starring David Harbour, Mila Jovovich, Ian McShane, Sasha Lane, uh, poor Sasha Lane, wow. uh, Daniel Day Kim, and Thomas Hayden Church. What I will say before I get into anything else, Hellboy had a fifty million dollar budget. It peaked at twenty two million worldwide. Nobody gave a monkey's about this film. And I'm going to start by saying I pretty much hated this film. 
I really didn't like this film. The 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 Del Toro versions were pretty damn good. I thought they looked good. They were visually appealing. They were well written. They had a bit of fun to them. They were action packed. They had Ron Perlman all over them. This is pretty much the opposite, and it's not because of David Harbour. Uh, Stranger Things, David Harbour. He's the he is the Hellboy in this film, but the the main question this this reboot asks is what's the what's the point what's the bloody point? It ends up being like an R rated the kid who would be king <laughs> for me. It even had the King Arthur. It literally was what I was watching. I was thinking yeah. I'm sure I've seen this film <laughs> and a better version of this film with less swearing and less bloodshed. Because I mean this film doesn't Hellboy it was never gonna scrimp on gore blood uh, curse words and all that but that doesn't make it a good film or edgy whatsoever and I think Neil Marshall I think was aiming for something edgy and gritty and it just looked a bit try try hard it went a bit it all went a bit Silent Hill and it it felt also like the studio um, Neil Marshall were trying to create like a a Guillermo del Toro feel without having any of the the nuance behind it I thought the visual effects were under par the, the dialogue was awful. The story was a drawn-out, convoluted mess. The, the, the rock music soundtrack was good. So, you know, I have a headbang to some of the blues rock on there. But I, what I did know, find out was Neil Marshall apparently didn't have final cut. He didn't have final say over the final cut of the film, which is a bit strange. But maybe for... Maybe that's a positive thing, because the guy directed The Descent, which is a damn fine British horror film, yeah. and Dog Soldiers, which is a pretty fun I've been horror to film watch as well. That. I haven't seen that one. It's a lot of fun. It's it's one of those films that doesn't take itself overly seriously, but it works. So Neil Marshall has pedigree, and to hear that he didn't have full say on this film makes me feel better because it's utter crap. <laughs> some films are. I put in my review. I've pretty much summed it up by saying that some films are so bad that what's the point of analysing it? What's the point of deep diving into it? Yeah, Hellboy's just a disappointment, and. And as I said, it should have just been called Oh Boy, because <laughs> Oh Boy, this film is awful. David Harbour, he's fine as Hellboy. Millie Jovovich is fine. She's appealing enough, but... Mm. Oh, I, I mean, well, Sasha Lane had the most ridiculous British oh. accent, and they threw in all these silly British slang words. Uh, Give us a quid, chuck us a tenner, apples and pears. And I thought, what the bloody hell am I watching? This is like a throwback to like the 60s. Nobody talks like that over here. Um... Uh, to, to, Ian McShane just kind of put, you know, puts his head down, looks up through his eyes, and broods a lot, and talks in a deep voice. And I like Ian McShane, but nobody comes out of this well. No, think, and, and that's the worst part. I didn't like this film at all. I think the worst part about this film existing is that it's going to hurt Sasha Lane's career because mm-hmm. if you've been following the indie circuit, you've seen American Honey, you've seen her in uh, Hearts Beat Loud. Um, Cameron Post, uh, Cam- Cameron Post, Miseducation of Cameron Post, and she is an amazing actress. And then they mm. give her this, and I like her in this. But like you're saying, one as an American, I'm just like, oh look, British tropes. <laughs> I... <laughs> I just rolled my eyes every time she opened her mouth, and I also thought sometimes I think, why not just get an English person to play that? And I think similarly when it's the other way around, when you get an American actor doing a sorry, an English actor like for example where Benedict Cumberbatch playing an American. Why not just cast an American actor to do it? Because it it jars slightly with me because I know Sasha Lane doesn't talk like that normally, and they've asked her to put this accent on and give her all these colloquialisms, and it feels it, none of it felt natural. I mean, I'm all for an actor getting to act, and so I'm okay if they want to give it a go. 
But then there's great examples of bad choices, like Keanu Reeves and Bram Stoker's Dracula. Um, <laughs> what the hell was Francis Ford Coppola thinking? Like, there's if no. It feels, if it feels natural, yeah. Then it's then it's brilliant. If you don't notice Benedict Cumberbatch speak with an American accent, yeah. which sometimes, which to be fair, you don't usually notice it, then it's a win. But that one you just mentioned, <laughs> oh yeah. boy. Or like uh, Andrew Lincoln on Walking Dead. For uh, most of America, until they heard him in an interview thought he was like a you know southern guy and here he is british <laughs> accent you know so like um it works for some but yeah when it's when it's bad it's bad and um there's nothing in this film that i thought was good i still managed to have enough fun with it where when it was over i was still kind of like wow that was bad but like smiling at it you know like i wasn't mad no. at the movie <laughs> um part of it i did have a friend that i didn't go with but he was at the movies and we talked afterwards and he he was like yeah you know it's not as good as the as the Del Toro one, but you know it's it's Hellboy. I'm like, yeah, I guess. Yeah, but, <laughs> it was, wasn't it? But yeah. it had, I think, the worst CG fight sequence oh, in comic book yeah, movie yeah. history. I think, like, when we're I'm talking going back to the early '90 comic book movies, the <laughs> scene where he fights the giants is awful. It looks so bad, and the camera work in it's bad. Like you're you're flying with him. It it is. It is a mess, man. And yeah, exactly. Um, there's a lot of it in this film where it's just like eye rolling. And I am, I am a fan of Mila Djokovic. Like I've seen all the Resident Evil movies. I think, but one. I think I missed like the the second to last one. Um, I've I love Fifth Element. Like I will fight over Fifth Element. I love that movie. <laughs> um, I you know I have so much fun with that film. And it's full of people who generally now I can't stand. Bruce Willis now. Luke Besson's last movie was trash other than one really mm -hmm. cool sequence. Um, I am hoping Anna will be good because he does seem to be like up and down every once in a while. But, uh, you know, and then and then you, you hurt Sasha Lane. I, I love David Harbour on Stranger Things. I think that might be his only good thing, though, because everything else I've seen him in, he's kind of he's a very <laughs> mumblecore actor, which he's not a part mm -hmm. of the mumblecore movement, though. Shoot guys, yeah. So it doesn't make any sense why he's like, it's like, dude, <laughs> you're not Stallone, man. Take the mouthpiece out. Like, what are you Open doing? Open your damn mouth. <laughs> yeah, like, um, and maybe it was the makeup, but it's not, because if you listen, he mumbles in Stranger Things, too, but it works with the character in Stranger Things. Like, I get why that dude was like especially the first episode when he's he's my favorite line in all of stranger things is mornings are for coffee and quiet contemplation because that is a hundred percent how <laughs> i feel yeah. and or tea in my case yeah but, still. but um like that i thought he was fine in the film yeah i didn't have any like oh man he's so bad but i do yeah. think this movie suffers from something that a first of a comic book series shouldn't and it's it's a villain bloat there are, like, so many bad guys in this movie. Yeah. Like, pick one, dude. Like, tell a story. Because <laughs> it's supposed to be Djokovic. She's the quote-unquote bad guy. But you get the weird, like, you know, I don't know, Bebop and Rocksteady wannabe from Teenage Mutant yeah, Ninja Turtles. And that pig, that pig was the worst part of the oh, film. Oh, so bad, dude. I won't, yeah, I, you know, to keep it, to keep it family-friendly, I won't go into what he says, but he just spouts the same lines over and over again, which... It, 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 he's, they, they've given him a Scouse accent, a Liverpool, a Liverpudlian accent for, from over here, which um, is an acquired taste, shall we say. Um, and they just have him spout the most awful kind of dubbed ADR lines, and it's yep. it's horrible to watch. Then you get the Giants, which could have been a cool throwaway kind of scene, but it's not. 
Um, the opening of the movie, we, we hear about a vampire, like, sect, which doesn't need to happen. Although, again, it's a cold open, so maybe it's, it works because we're just kind of setting the world that this, he fights, you know, supernatural entities. But it doesn't really, and there is a reference to the Red Queen there. But then, it, I'm saying it opens with that. It doesn't. It opens with this flashback to King Arthur time. And I had I didn't know Hellboy comics enough that this is actually part of the books. The, the whole, he's an heir of Arthur which I guess is a spoiler, but don't don't watch this movie. So sorry. This is like, a, go watch the Kitty Whippy King. Yeah, everything Kid, about but, it is the same, even the villain but, and how they manifest. Here's my point. I love the Kitty Whippy King. I thought it was a lot of fun. I was really I really wish more people saw it. Um, I don't think it's a perfect movie or anything, but I I think it's way better than what it got in the box office. But even that, I was still like, but do we need a King Arthur story? wasn't Guy Ritchie's like the death of the King Arthur story wasn't that enough <laughs> That's so many of them. like yeah it's it's time to put it to rest and so choosing to go with this story when you have a vast selection of comic stories that was a bad choice in the first place because it's so convoluted that it took a like five minute prologue to set up your movie that is some of the worst acting I've seen on <laughs> film by Mila Djokovic like and she is notoriously a B-movie actress and it's awful she's it managed to be it up even yes. worse but no, I, I agree it's so many strange choices and I keep harkening back to whether or not Neil Marshall had final cut but you know the word on the street is that he didn't which would make sense because his other films have been um, they've been well put together they make sense they have, a, they have a solid narrative running through them whether or not people may like them or not there's no denying that as films you know they're well made they're put together well this isn't like you say, there's so many different villains. The story jumps from different place to different place, and each place has a different kind of boss person at the end of it. And which it's just just it, just watching it. I don't often, you know, pray for a film to hurry up and finish. But <laughs> Hellboy is one. When I honestly, I was sitting in my seat, and did only just feel yourself falling back in your chair, thinking, "For please, and put me out of my misery." Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. even some of the visual choices too, like. um one Sasha Lane's power, which I won't say what it is, but like the mm-hmm. visual element of it is so disturbing, and that yeah. that might be to the comic, and maybe that's what they're going for. But it's like, but it doesn't really make sense either. Like, why is that what happens? Well, yeah, and they've got that old contortionist old lady thing, and uh, thing the that's the scariest doing? thing in the movie, by the way. Uh, it's not nice to look at. No. I certainly wouldn't, wouldn't want that chasing after me, but. Um, you could probably give her. You probably you could probably sort it out fairly easily, but yeah. it's just why Del Toro and Ron Perlman, as 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 Bricks as Bricks said, that's, you're not Ron. They wanted to make the third film. Yeah, they, they they've been they had a script. You know, Del Toro's all for making a third Hellboy. Ron Perlman said, "Man, just do it." They all they needed was the green light, to, and, they, and instead they made this. Yeah, and I'm looking you at. I mean, it makes no sense because the, the last sorry to jump in there, but the last Hellboy films. You know, they made good money. They were critically mm-hmm. pretty well received. Yep. They made good money. Del Toro's stock never been higher. Why not? Yeah. And actually, I watched the first Hellboy the night after I saw the new Hellboy <laughs> with my daughter, who had never seen it. And we both really liked it. I actually liked it more this watch, uh, maybe because I just seen this it one. More. But even, like, I don't think when I saw it, I was 10 years younger. I was definitely not as film knowledgeable when I watched it. So, like, now I'm picking up things like, wow, this is more than a comic book movie. Like, yes, it's based on a comic book, but this is a movie first that has comic book elements built into it, you know? Um, yeah. This movie uh, is written by Alex, and sorry, Andrew Cosby, 
And looking at his writing credits, he's only written for TV until this. And that kind of explains maybe the episodic feel of all of the scenes in this movie, that none of them really flow into the next. It's like, oh, yeah, you remember that one thing that happened three episodes ago? Well, here it is again. And because uh, he's written for Eureka and Haunted, and that's it. Uh, everything else he's a producer for. So, like, I don't know if this should have been his first screenplay because it does not feel like a good screenplay. Um, and as you noted, the dialogue is not good. And, um, man, I, this movie, I think, has hurt everyone involved more so than helped any of them. Um, and it's a shame because I, I was excited when I heard Harbor was cast. I was like, cool, um, let's see what happens. And then, yeah, no, I let's not see what happens. This was a travesty. Yeah, there's not. There really isn't an awful lot to take out of this. That's the best part. I really loved it when the lights came back up. That was weird. that was awesome. <laughs> I got to go home and I got to forget I ever watched. I went home and scrubbed myself and you know tried to forget about this film. But it, it haunts me. Um, I have my dreams are just bathed in this horrible red that Hellboy was not. They're not the character of the film. I just kind of red hue through it. And now all I dream of was red. And mm-hmm. I just wish I'd never seen this. It's still not the worst film of the year. There's one more which I which we've spoken about, Polar, which just ah. you know vile, violated me. But this is to me out of all the films I've seen, the second worst film of the year. And I will be pleased in the knowledge to know that I'm never gonna ever watch it again. Oh, I saw um, Georgetown, the new Christoph Waltz film that he directed. Yes. Yeah, I. I... Um, my bad films when I rate a film that negatively on my on BerkReviews.com, I either give it the uh, avoid like the plague rating or the not a total waste of time. Those are like the two. I don't do too many avoid like the plagues. The movie has to be real, real bad for me to go that route. For Georgetown, I gave a new rating of Trash Fire. Um, Whoa, Christoph Waltz, man. Yeah, man, that's what I'm saying, dude. This guy uh, in my review, I say that. Um, the end of the film feels like or by the end of the film it feels like he threw a bunch of stuff into a, a dumpster lit it on fire threw his hands into the air and proclaimed now that's art because it is it is the most vanity piece of work i've ever seen and i've seen no. some vanity pieces but he made this movie so he could do this crazy story and it just does it just feels so crappy um so that's and it kind of and it and it dumps on the, the every time i think the word georgetown i think the exorcist uh, and now I can't help but think now Christoph Waltz done a bad film called Georgetown. So you sullied it for me. I'm so sorry, sir. But we're <laughs> actually, I'm glad we did it in this order because we're going to end on, I think, a very positive note. Um, if you have been paying attention to the month of April, you should know what movie we have to talk about <laughs> because almost everybody in the world appears to have seen this movie at this point. Um, we thought it best to mention it. Yeah, it's it seems logical. Uh, Avengers Endgame <laughs> 2019, uh, directed by Anthony Russo and Joe Russo, which um, I want to take a second here, Matt, and I want to throw a potential curveball. Uh, the, the, the directors of this film have said on record, on social media, that it is now okay to spoil... <laughs> That, yes, I have. Yeah, so, um, well, if anyone who's seen Spider-Man trailer, it's been ruined for you. Anyway. Yes, a major plot point of Endgame has been ruined by the Far From Home trailer, at least the second trailer. Um, that said, I'm not saying I'm going to jump into spoilers. However, unlike all of the other movies on this show where we try to avoid them, I think there might be room to have a spoiler section, maybe at the last five minutes or something, 
just throwing that out there. We don't have to do it, but I, it's a thought I had mainly because it's quite hard to circumvent spoilers. Like you say, because it's so popular, and also because additional media's come out for other films, which actually give away the plot of yes. this film and or the major beats. Which you know, new trailers for this film. I saw one at the gym this morning. Yeah, had major scenes that I was like, oh my god, you put that in the trailer? Like, don't do that. I think they're just thinking that everybody who wants to see it has seen it fifteen times. Yeah. So. You know what? What can what can be spoiled of, now? I've I've still only seen it once. Have you seen it more than once? I've only seen it once. Nothing to do with the runtime, mm-hmm. but um, like you say, there, there's kind of there's the the releases are now starting to build, pick up some steam. So I've just basically yeah. found that I, I haven't had time to to go back and watch for uh, any film more than once. My wife has not seen it yet, so I do think I'm going to get to see it one more time in the theater because I know she wants to see it. Uh, she wanted to go opening night, but she was in the hospital, um, and she sent my my daughter and i and she insisted that we still go um and because the hospital they have visiting hours and the the hours were going to end anyways um Mm -hmm. so she insisted i felt guilty the whole time um but i could not help but love this film and uh one thing i want to point out about my screening is um, i do another podcast called top five movies with uh Corey and mike and mike doesn't get to the movies very often and so um, we were also our theater, which never sells out. The only time I've seen our theater sell out for opening night in the last five years was Force Awakens. Yeah. And so I was anticipating. I actually had heard that it was selling out. So I went an hour early. Our show was at seven, I think. Um, and we got there at six. And uh, I, I went up and when Force Awakens happened, they weren't letting us in early. Like you had to sit in the lobby and it was not organized. And it was just mobs of people because there's multiple screens for those big releases and no one knew what was what. And there was it was chaos. This time I get there, there's nobody in the lobby. And I'm like, oh, what's going on? So I walk up to the ticket taker. I'm like, are you guys letting us in now? And they're like, yeah. I'm like, oh, cool. And I'm like, I look at my daughter like, do you mind if we go ahead and go in? Because, you know it's we want to make There's sure a lot of people. yeah they don't do reserved seats at our theater so like we want to get in and get the seats you want so you don't end up with the worst seats in the house so I'm, I'm like she's like yeah and i'm like man i can't believe we're gonna go sit in the theater for an hour we walk in and it's already pretty cr- pa- like packed at six o'clock an hour before the movie starts and i'm like oh i'm not the only crazy person <laughs> i mean there are still good seats available but it was already like way more people in there than i thought and um our movie theater is still not being completely prepared. It's a, nothing's on the screen. They don't have like the the ads running or anything. The lights aren't even on all the way, so like it's very dark, um, and it's very very hard to see. Uh, but um, we uh, we take our seats and we're sitting there. We're sitting there maybe half an hour, and I look up and I see Mike's daughter, who um is a student at my school in front of my daughter, and I'm I'm like, hey, that looks like her, and then there comes Mike. I'm like, Oh my God, they're here. I didn't know they were coming. And so like I shouted at them and they came over and sat with us. And I was just like, that's, that's crazy. Cause one, you don't come to the theater often too. I didn't think to ask you. And there was like four showtimes at that for that night. So it was even more luck that he ended up sitting with me. But, um, you know, we've seen a few of the Marvel films together. Uh, I have seen all 22 films. I think the only ones I didn't see in the theater were, uh, Captain America, first Avenger, Thor and Thor, uh, dark world. I've seen every other Marvel film in the theater. Um, oh, I lied. Iron Man 2, I also didn't see in the theater. Uh, but otherwise, I've seen them all. I own them all. I've bought every single one of them. Um, and I I am invested in Endgame. 21 movies. I've committed all of that time, all of that money, um, written many, many reviews of, of the Marvel Cinematic Universe at this point. 
and I go into Endgame with more anticipation than I think I've ever had for another movie. Wow. Because of all of it, it's a you know, in fact, the first movie I remember questionably taking my daughter to see was Iron Man. Um I I wasn't <laughs> even I'm not I can't even remember why because I'd seen Zodiac. So I, I Robert Downey Jr was kind of on my radar. A great film. Um and I I like comic book movies and so um, I remember being at the mall, looking, and, like, there wasn't a lot of people, like, going to see it at the time. Like, the theater looked kind of empty, and I she was only four. Um, <laughs> and I, I looked at her, and I'm like, do you want to see Iron Man? And she's like, yeah. I'm like, yeah. okay. And she got scared a couple of times. You know, there's some explosions and stuff. But when it was over, she was so thrilled. She loved it. And so my daughter and I have – while she hasn't seen every movie, I'm going to get a little sappy. Sorry. Um we have a, a connection with the Marvel movies. We've seen, she's come to most of them with me. Um, and uh, so seeing this with her was a big thing for me too, because it, it is a milestone. She's 15 now, you know, uh, it, it's, it's been a lot of years that we've spent with these movies. So um, I did a lot of setup to get to this point, but I did love Endgame. Um, I, I actually like Endgame more than Infinity War. I think Infinity War is great still, but I think Endgame does for me so many things that work for me as a film viewer i love time travel stuff um and while i won't get into any specifics that is a a part of the movie not only that i love the i love when movies reference other movies that i love and this movie does that and i feel like the (laughs) russos kind of took this big you know stage to kind of share love that they have for film and so as a film person i appreciate that It, it worked for me um, I I love the character work here. I think there are some amazing performances. Um, I didn't even get into the the amount of money this movie's made, but it's uh, it is the fastest film to ever hit the two billion dollar milestone. Eleven days. eleven freaking days, man! It is insane. I've, I've been talking about this with my students because one for a, a rare occasion, most of my students have been to the theater to see this. <laughs> um, two, um, I have had a anti-avatar stance for a long time um and uh (laughs) this movie looks very it's it's so posed to finally overthrow avatar um he's got three or four hundred million to go but it has had a drop off it has and i i don't know how this weekend this weekend's gonna basically determine if it can but it even if it doesn't it has broken every opening week record um i do think there's potential this movie could if it picks up again hit the three billion mark would be the first film to ever pull that um which would be insane but nonetheless um 95 percent of hollywood uh, is essentially in this movie um <laughs> joke matt wrote and i think is great uh, <laughs> uh it's true as well yeah it is very very true uh just to name some robert downey jr chris evans mark ruffalo chris hemsworth scarlett johansson jeremy renner those are our original avengers uh don Cheadle. um Paul Rudd, who is my absolute favorite, I cannot get enough of Paul Rudd. Uh, Brie Larson, Karen Gillan, who I've become a huge fan of, by the way. Mm. Um, uh, her film uh, that's on Hulu, The Party's Just Begin, Beginning, I think, really, really great. Denai Guerrera, Bradley Cooper, Josh Berlin, um, many, many other people that we're leaving off, but uh, <laughs> check the list. Um, you know, we didn't even say Chris Pratt, and like, how big is Chris Pratt? You know what I mean? <laughs> like, it's yeah, Anthony Mackie. Uh, Anthony Mackie, who's um, man, he doesn't get a lot in this, but he gets some good stuff for sure. 
Um, she, she, oh man, Asia Ford. I always screw Benedict Cumberbatch. Benedict Cumberbatch. Uh, Tom Holland. The entire MCU. <laughs> yeah. Um, I I twenty two movies into this. I have um, my favorites. I have some that I haven't loved. I I love some that other people think are lesser films. Like I love the Ant Man movies. Um, again, mainly because mm-hmm. of Paul Rudd. Uh, and Michael Pena because Michael Pena is amazing. Um, I I think this movie does everything I needed it to do. Um, it hit. I, I cried countless times in this film. Um, even if it wasn't like full on sobs, there were lots of like choking back tears or um, moments where I I clapped nerdily, uh, as I like to say, where I I put my hands close to my chest and like quickly tap them silently because I don't want to disturb people. But like it's people like Homer Simpson. Yeah. It's, yes. It's this level of anticipation. <laughs> Um, that I'm so hyped, especially if I see something coming ahead of time. I'm like, oh my god, oh my god, oh my god! And I, I there are so many fil- mo- like moments in this movie that just work. And I've heard some weird complaints. Um, I've seen articles where like, oh, this movie doesn't work if you haven't seen the other 21. And I'm like, that is the mm. dumbest argument for this. This isn't a standalone movie. It is a it is the last chapter of a massive novel. And no one would jump to the last chapter of a massive novel expecting to understand what's happening. This movie, like The Matrix, has changed film in that no other movie franchise has ever done 22 interconnected films and then managed to hit the landing. Because to me, this movie sticks the landing perfectly. I'm sure there's things that could be different and it maybe would be better, but I have... I feel very satisfied with this ending. I think this is a really good final chapter. Um, if I were to compare it to a TV series finale, I would compare it to the Parks and Rec finale, where it not only tied up the story that they were telling, but it also gave me a little bit of insight as to where it's going. And I felt very happy with how this movie concluded. Um, and sad with elements of it but like the right sad like not sad because oh they screwed it up it was sad because this is how it's going to be um i you know i am a marvel fanboy so take that you know take my point of view with that in mind i i it would they would have had to really screw this up for me to not like it (laughs) um there are some i don't i don't like iron man 2 i have only watched it once i have no desire to watch it again i i just have the and I didn't hate Dark World as much as everybody else. I still think it's a not good movie, but I enjoyed Loki um, a lot in that, I guess. And then uh, The Incredible Hulk's bad, but I, you know, it's the it's whatever. <laughs> like I still don't hate it. Like I, I don't think I'm gonna ever watch it again because especially since it's not even the same Bruce Banner. But um, but for the most part, I, there isn't a Marvel film that I truly hate. Um, or anything like that but i also i don't love them all but the ones that i do love like and i love iron man still to this day like i think that film is amazing um especially when you look at this movie and think of how it sets it up um when you look back at all of the films and you see setups that i don't know if they were meant to be setups back when the movie came out but they pay off here anyways is amazing and if they were planned out that far then Kevin Feige deserves even more credit than he's getting because I think this is just a milestone in, in the making of movies. I hope no one else. I mean, we have already seen other companies try and fail at doing this. Uh, dark world there, the dark universe, excuse me, failed uh, <laughs> with the first one. The DCEU is clearly scattered and falling apart. 
the conjuring universe is trying i don't know why i think they they failed after the second <laughs> conjuring movie to me they and, did um they, they keep pumping them out but um and conjuring 3 doesn't even have james wan ah but um yeah i i think this is great i i know i think you're a little cooler on it than i am but i think you still enjoyed it right yeah i didn't i did and um, before i go into that I've, I've got a hit on that point that 22 films interconnecting and setting up setting each other up um past present and future is an undeniably incredible achievement one I'm not entirely sure it could ever be done again. I mean, who knows if the next phase of Marvel will do it as yeah, well. I kind of hope because they this... try not to do it the same. Like, I kind of hope know, they... because it's been done so well. Yeah. Um, it, Kevin, yeah, Kevin Feige, he's done a superb job. And, yeah, I'm not a huge fan of all of the films because some of them feel a bit too formulaic for me. But Endgame, um, I did enjoy the film. I my review of it felt fairly downbeat, and I even I, and I referenced that that quite a lot of the time was downbeat, as if I was you know picking at the film. But I did actually really enjoy the film. I preferred Infinity War. I think that was a bit more intense um, than Endgame, and I know they were kind of striving. I, I, Infinity War was you know the the storm before the calm almost because a lot of Endgame, some of it is quite at times slower paced and more introspective. But obviously, given the events of Infinity War, that makes sense. Um, I had, I did have issues with this film. I've spoken to JB about them before, earlier before, but one of them isn't that you know you have to. You, oh, I, I didn't watch the other twenty-one films. Oh, I don't know what's yeah. going on. That's a, a ludicrous thing to do because this, this is one of those films that hangs its hat on the fact that if you haven't watched a certain, even a handful of the other films, preceding films, you were you were going to be blind going into this. You're going to have no idea. But um, so I I did like it. I didn't think it was as well written as Infinity War. I thought a lot of there was a lot of contrivances and a lot of very convenient things that happened very quickly to get the story to move on. Um, whether that was characters finding their way to certain places or coming back or yeah, even things like moments from Infinity War were pretty much played out almost well extremely similarly, which I thought to me I. For those who are uber invested, super invested in MCU, those moments would be hard hitting. But I, one of the moments which we may or may not talk about in a few minutes, I'd already seen in the last film. I knew it was going to happen. Okay, it happened. Fine, let's move on. Yes, people, the, those involved, it was you know sad to see, but I knew what, you could see what happened from a mile off. Um, I, 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 but no, I, I enjoyed the film. It, the, um, the Russos went for the emotional edge. They went for nostalgia, but when when it's done right, nostalgia is a fine thing, and they do it really, really well in Endgame. The action is great. The end, I mean, the the you know the the climax to the film has been called the greatest sort of moments in comic book history. I don't think I agree with it fully, but in terms of you know the final, you know the major battles and all that, but it was a lot of fun to watch. But the problem I have, and John made this, I think we've mentioned this before. The comics and the films are a different thing. People get people die in the comics and they come back. It's a well-known trope. Everybody knows it's a convention of comic books. I, I, Superman's dead or Captain America's dead. Oh, he's back again. This is the, the comic. This is film. And when stakes are removed, and I'm not talking necessarily about even about Infinity War, but some of it I am. When those stakes are removed, I go into those big battles thinking I don't care necessarily. Or maybe that's too harsh. Or I'm not over, as sucked in because all of this can be undone. Um, because 
this is this is the this is the rulers that they have now set, which worries me. And I know some things may not do, probably, but that may be more down to contracts running out. But I'm I want stakes, and sometimes when things don't stick or things are subverted to uh, via means which I'm not always keen on, i.e., time travel, because I don't I'm not un- entirely sure that the film stuck to its own rules in terms of time travel. But again, this is me sounding downbeat about the film. I'm not. I really, really did enjoy this. There are some moments in those battles which are kind of the fist bump moments where you just want to sit and think, yes! You know, everybody you get Captain America. Some of the moments in hit the film just revolving him are just, you know, just ass-kickingly good. Um, the the gals of the MCU get their moment to shine finally in, in a, a scene which I've seen derided, but, yeah. you know, to anyone who thinks it was stupid, you yeah, know, go spin. Go watch, go watch other films. You've had 21 films of guys flexing their muscles and you know, and taking on the world, you know, bugger off and just, just stop being stupid. Um, but on that though, I, we mentioned the um, diversity and forced inclusion of Pet Cemetery. There was a moment in here which I thought was forced inclusion for the sake of it, regarding the MCU's first use of a homosexual character, uh, which yeah. felt so forced in. And what annoyed me the most was Deruso brothers saying it was such an important moment that we felt that one of us had to do it. Well, you know, pat yourselves on the back at another time, because it was a, it didn't work. You know, it did feel like it was kind of just like, if we put this in, people will think we're great. People will notice this, and it'll be another milestone. It felt ham-fisted and, you know, thrown in. But, you know, people, that that's just me. That's the first thing I noticed when I heard it. Uh, Robert Downey Jr. was the MVP. His performance was excellent, yeah, it which was. comes as no surprise because it's RDJ and he's a veteran, but. For what he had to do as a character, again, in lesser hands, it could have been quite mawkish, but uh, Robert Downey Jr. is so good. He's excellent in this film, I and mean, there's nobody who isn't good in these films. Everybody's so suited to their characters now that they could probably play them in their sleep, but they don't. They really, Everybody really goes for it in this film. Um, I think, that, I think the, the key thing for me is I wasn't, I, I wasn't blown away by Endgame. I merely just thought it was very, very good, but... And again, I, I know it sounds fairly negative, but I, I, I did enjoy this film. There are lots of moments where I thought were excellent. I just wasn't entirely blown away. Like I maybe, and maybe that's that. Maybe that's on me. Maybe I expected this spectacle just to, you know, pick knock me out for side, knock me for six. But I did think it was very good. Um, the ep, the scope, the scale, the epicness was there. And there's no denying though, there isn't any any denying that Endgame is a marvellous send-off for this 22-run um, of films. The Infinity Saga Endgame is and did bring the curtain down excellently in terms of what it wrapped up, what it set up, and certain beats that happened. I think it went well. And I'd be lying if I said I didn't watch that. You know, watch the last 20 minutes uh, cutting, cutting some onions because there are some moments there where you're just like, oh, man, come on, stop laying it on because I can't take much more than this. Um, <laughs> it, it does get very emotional. And I, don't, I mean that, and I don't mean that as a negative. It's a positive. I mean, it had it had some things had to happen or certain moments and the way that the characters... It, it was inevitable, but they did it really well, I think. The emotion was handled well. It, I, 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 there wasn't many dry eyes in the theatre I saw. Um, and I thought it was a, you know, a pretty decent love letter to the fans of the MCU. My major issue now is we've mentioned it where the hell do they go from here? Because this is such a high. Where do they yeah. go? Which doesn't just feel like a, you know, they feel like they're just climbing back up or like a come down. Or are they going to do twenty more films and have a 
kind of another end game where I kinda you know hope... these survivors is this film die in that film or how is it going to what, what what how are they going to now pick themselves up and think right let's go again after what we, after even just the last two major Avengers films we've seen yeah. what do they do next if anyone can do it it's Kevin Feige but what do they do man I kind of hope they they pull back from the interconnectivity a little bit um, and maybe lend themselves to more like cameos or one shots where like maybe this movie we team up you know Doctor Strange shows up in this film or whatever um, and allow them to kind of be their own things um, and maybe we have a movie where a big villain shows up or something that would they team up but um, you know like I'm not saying don't acknowledge that the other people exist but uh, you know maybe separate a little bit allow them to have you know their own thing I feel like maybe we're done with the stingers at the end of the movies mm-hmm. um, and I think that would be a, a move in the right direction um, so you know and I'm, I'm open to whatever they do I in Kevin Feige I currently trust um, but I, I would be open to like not not trying to rehash the same formula that they just did you know like let's just let's just make the movies let's just see what happens you know yeah, and I can see them doing that because, but you know, Disney, Bob Iger, he, the, the stakeholders, this film could potentially be the biggest film of all time. I know Kevin Feige isn't going to necessarily hang his creative hat up and just follow the Great American Dollar, but money talks, man. And yeah. if they've got a twenty-two film saga which ended with the final one making potentially nigh on three billion, or at least becoming the biggest film of all time, possibly. Stakeholders might be knocking on um, Mr. Iger's door saying, "Keep it going, keep this going." Yeah, yeah. yeah. We know. Hey, 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 the fan, the fans might want this, but you know, our, our wallets want that, and there is a danger of doing that. But so far, there's no, there's no sign that Bob Iger or Kevin, Kevin Feige are going to sell their devil out to the, to uh, Benjamin Franklin and those dollars. But I. I'm interested. Of course, I'm interested to see. I'm a fan of the MCU. I'm not as deep into it as um, yourself or others, but I enjoy the MCU. I enjoy the films for the most part. I also enjoyed the Ant Man films. I would have liked to have seen that Edgar Wright one. But I like. I but I, again, just to just to beat that flog the horse. I did enjoy Endgame, and I know I sound negative, but I just didn't come out of it with that, you know, ridiculous heavenly feeling. I thought I was going to get, and I hoped I was going to get. But I still came out thinking that was the most. That was certainly was an epic. It was a great way to tie up the you know previous films, and it was a damn good comic book film as well. It's, it's probably it may not even. I don't. It's not. It's not my number one MCU film. But, yeah, it's um, not mine either. That again, it's not. That's not a negative. I mean, there's nothing I can say which doesn't sound like I'm banging on the film. I'm not. I really enjoyed it. I'm just not as big on it as others, and as I mentioned on socials, I have had some people telling me that I furiously tell me that I'm wrong and I'm out of my depth for, for having the um, temerity to not give this a ten out of ten. But you know, don't like I said, don't be those guys. Everyone has a different opinion. I enjoyed the film. Yeah. I just didn't love it as much as other people. But there will be films. Uh, there may be a film we're going to mention coming up, which I thought was pretty damn good, which I know a lot of other people didn't like. So. It's just the way it goes, and I did enjoy this film. So if you if you loved this film, rock on. That's that is awesome. If you didn't like the film, that's just that's fine as well. But yeah, I I did enjoy it. I I, I promise you, I did. And I I did love this film, and I would have um I I use my rating system, and it's must see. But I would I would probably go 
I don't like to say ten out of ten. I'd probably do like nine and a half mm-hmm. out of ten. Like, um, and again, because well, it does a, a lot because for Because sometimes it does that too. Yeah. Yeah, and I've heard some. I've heard some complaints that I can understand. Um, I'm not going to say any because they'd be spoilers, but I mm-hmm. a lot of them I feel like because I don't look at Infinity War and this as two separate movies either. I think of this as a continuation, and I think yeah, it's yeah. a very good continuation. Um, especially if you were to look at something like The Matrix and the two sequels that were filmed simultaneously and released within a year of each other, um, less than a year with of each other. And this is a better version of that attempt, you know, where you have these two final climactic stories, both have their own arcs and own points. But think this movie could have been so different, especially what I expected to be this film is kind of taken care of in the first 15 minutes of Endgame. And I thought that was awesome because I was totally expecting to have to like sit and wait and sit and wait and sit and wait and that's not what the movie ended up being and i i i like that we mentioned it didn't we and i i had issues with how they how how quickly it happened as i said when i did think ah they've tied those up a little too conveniently for me and i get people nitpick but it was a little bit too too uh convenient for me i mean i like how like you say, how they this? I mean, these two films are one and the same. They are. It is a five-hour-long film or whatever, five, yeah. six-hour-long film. And I like how they dealt with the aftermath of what happened in Infinity War. They they yeah. they they gave that time and let that breathe because that was the what the emotional part of Infinity War was that ending. Whilst people may have known it wasn't going to stick, you still need to play up to it. And I think they did that quite well with how the characters dealt with the uh, events of that. Infinity War film. Yeah, that's exactly. I completely agree with that sentiment, and for me, that worked. And I can, but I can also see why it may not work for somebody else. So, um, you know, to each their own. But, um, and again, I, I want to back Matt up here. He is, uh, he is saying things that he didn't like, but he did like the movie, guys. So, um, overall, yes, I did, and I think that's an important thing, though, because I think there's there are varying degrees of like you can like this film and still have issues with it and that's okay like you can love your wife or her husband and accept Watch that they have saying. flaws like you don't you don't have to <laughs> think that they're perfect um i think the flaws are one of the things that make them so intriguing both movies and you know people like sometimes yeah okay so that line's silly or that line's cheesy but sometimes that's the line that made someone else connect to the film you know yeah. Um, like Hudson Hawk, as I will always bring up now, because I have <laughs> taken that as my banner movie. I I understand that it's trash, but it's trash that makes me smile, and thus, you That's know what it's all about. Um, it, it, there it is. So that is the month of April, the big releases at least for April, which April was kind of a quiet month overall, with the exception of this bombastic ending of the month with Endgame <laughs> yeah, exactly. coming out. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it, it's kind of it feels now like where it feels like Endgame, which came out in the last week of April, that felt like the start now of you know this utter avalanche of films we're going to come and May is stacked with them. But there was a couple of other films that we saw in April, not too many, but we did see we did see a few. So, uh, John, what were the what was a few that you saw that I didn't? Um, I watched the Prime original release, uh, Guava Island, which is under an hour, so it's a quick watch if you're interested. Okay. Um, it stars uh, Donald Glover, also known as Childish Gambino, and it, it's important to note that here because this is a musical that uses some of his more recent releases to tell the narrative. 
Um, and I think it's done very, very well. Uh, it does, it casts Rihanna in a non-singing role and it kind of feels like a waste in that way. Um, because it's like you have a musical with Rihanna and she doesn't sing. Um, but it is, uh, I mentioned um, Georgetown and how it was a vanity project. While Glover doesn't direct this, the director he's working with uh, has directed several episodes of Atlanta, which is Glover's TV series. And it, the script is credited to Donald Glover's brother. So it's still got the vanity kind of vibe to it. This is, you know, um, and and the way the narrative plays out definitely has that as well. The difference is I think this one works really well. And I also, I agree with some of the sentiment that is being, I agree with a lot of the sentiment that's being put out there. Even if it is kind of like a little self-flagellating. But um, overall, I really enjoyed it. And again, if you're a fan of Donald Glover or Childish Gambino, it's a movie you have to watch and is available on Prime. I haven't actually heard of this film, so I'm gonna. I'm a big. I'm a fan of Donald Glover and, and Childish Gambino. So yeah, it um, dropped I'm real. Ashamed, I haven't heard of it. It dropped real quietly. There was hardly any fanfare about it. Um, it, it did not have a theatrical release. It was made for Prime. Um, it feels kind of like an hour-long music video in some ways, but it's, uh, man, it just worked for me. Um, it's entertaining. It's really well-performed. Uh, it's got an interesting visual style. Um, but yeah, I, I liked it a lot. Ooh, ouch, this sucks. Um, the other movie I saw that was a very limited release in April, uh, officially, I think the, has, IMDb has it as a 2017 release because it, it circled the film, uh, festival circuit for a while. Um, but it's called Stuck. And it did get a wide release in April, but still like super small markets. Um, it's a musical, another musical. Um, all original songs uh, stars Giancarlo uh, Esposito, you might know from Breaking Bad, um, Amy Madigan, Ashanti, Arden Cho, Omar Shapiro, Gerard uh, Can Canonico, Tim Young, and where's the kid at? There's a kid who's not a movie actor. It might be that Gerard Cunanico. Um, Yeah, I guess it is. Uh, yeah, it is. He's a, a Broadway music, a musical actor, though, and he is terrific in this film. I found Stuck to be really, really fun and pretty great. It has a really low metascore, which is surprising, but um, it is uh, about people being stuck on a subway together. Um, it is very racially charged. It has uh, a very diverse cast, and that plays a factor into the narrative. Um, and I, I don't know, I thought it was a really kind of interesting look at um, humanity and life and how we interact with one another, um, especially in a world where we have uh, the ability to communicate readily at our fingertips at all times, yet we often are more isolated than ever. And um, it takes a look at that, and I think it's uh, well done and a lot of fun um, in the end. And I really enjoyed a lot of the little character moments. Um, and it's, it's very low budget, and that was one of the things I actually liked about it. I think it... it uses its budget pretty well um but yeah those are the two uh april releases that i saw um outside of the big four again i haven't seen i know i didn't get around to seeing stuck is it one which you t are you going to make me watch tonight or or can i have a can i sit on it for a few days before watching or is it a recommended watch um I would say you can sit on it uh it's one that if you if you get an opportunity if you're feeling like um you want a musical that's something new that you haven't checked out i think it's one that's definitely worth checking out okay then uh stuck it i, I will i like the idea that guava island's only what um, under an minutes, hour yeah i can you, i can watch that up tonight um and stuck i'll check out and 
Uh, we also caught uh, one of the films we caught together was Greta, which was uh, which I which I caught quite recently actually. It was directed by the Crying Game director Neil Jordan, oh. which is what kind of also attracted me to it. Um, also having Isabelle Huppert yeah. and uh, Chloe Grace Moretz star mm. is what also drew me to it because I'm a big fan of Chloe Grace Moretz. I think she's a really, ta- really talented, diverse young actress. And Isabelle Hubert is just a quality French actress who uh, yeah. Hollywood should have been doing more with. But she, uh, she, but um, she's a woman of principle and didn't fancy Hollywood. But I liked Greta. I thought it was a throwback to the 80s and 90s and kind of what your uh, fatal attraction or basic instinct kind of level of things. It's, it is, uh, it, uh, for, let me, okay, I liked the, it's, this is not an excellent film, no. but I had a lot of fun watching it for me. I reveled in the fact that it didn't take itself too seriously. It was like a PG-13 version of um, A L'Etelier, which is a French film called Inside from about 12 years ago. Not a PG-13 version of that, that was an intense, visceral, violent film. This is kind of like a toned down version of it. I thought Isabelle Repair was great. I thought Morris, uh, Chloe Grace was great. Those two made the film what it was. Without them, it doesn't work at all. Um, it's a slow burner. I like the atmosphere that grew. I liked that the twists and subversions because there were some in there which I didn't see coming. And when I thought I did see them coming, uh, they were turned on their head again. I liked that. I thought, um, just to mention again, I thought Isabella Bear was <laughs> marvellous. She was completely bonkers. I thought she was mag- magnetic to watching this film, but... Um, yeah, I mean, film about a bit about grief and the fact that the character of Greta is, like I mentioned, mental. She's <laughs> bonkers, but I liked it. I, I I liked it more than I thought, and I liked it more than I'd heard I would. It's not an excellent film, however, I enjoyed watching it. If that makes any sense. Now, I think you may be slightly less uh, <laughs> than me on it. Yeah, I I actually saw this. Um, I feel like I saw it last month. Um, I think it came out earlier in the States. Uh, I could be wrong, but um, either way, I, I apparently didn't talk about it last episode, so um, I I did not like it. Uh, I don't remember much about what I didn't like at this point. <laughs> um, I, I know it's in my review. Uh, I, I'm a fan of Chloe Grace, although a lot of her choices recently have been bad, miseducation being the one um, exclusion to that, but... Uh, like I didn't like the fifth wave and um, Suspiria. She's really barely in it, so I don't know if I she's count kind that. Of in it, yeah. Um, but man, this movie—it felt so. Just, I had the opposite. I I also felt like it it a throwback and and trying to be these other films in a lot of ways that just didn't work for me. I I thought it was cheesy. Um, I like Elizabeth Hubert, but I I don't think I liked her much in this. I don't know, the, the plot felt real contrived. Um, yeah, I just, man, didn't, 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 didn't like it. So, uh, yeah, not not as positive as Matt was. No, I thought Isabel Look, She looked like she was having an absolute ball, though. She looked like she was having so much fun. But I, I thought she was great in this film. But I could see, I mean, I could see it, the, some of the plot was contrived. They can't, I think they tried to write that off at the start of the film by mentioning that... Um, Chloe Grace's character is new to the is new to a the big city vibe. Therefore, her actions may be her naivety may be slightly that could be explained away by that. I think that's what Neil Jordan was potentially going for, and I can see that in some cases. But it does kind of fall into that throwback thriller where you do think, "Why well, don't you just do this?" It would have been a lot easier if you just did that. But then I guess we wouldn't have a film. But uh, yeah, sometimes you do think. 
why do that? And I've got to shout out Michael Monroe is also in the film, and she's just fine as well. Michael Monroe, who was also in It Follows and yeah. uh, plenty of other stuff as well. But no, again, so yeah, it, this wasn't a great film. I'm probably going to give it a fairly decent review rating simply because I, from when I watched that in the first cinema and watched it, I wasn't bored. I enjoyed it. I got what I wanted from the film. Yes, there are moments where I thought, oh, come on. But I've, I, I thought of that about Endgame. I've thought about about Shazam as well, the films which I gave a positive review to. So um, no film is um, safe from it. But yeah, it, it wasn't the best film I'm ever going to see. But, you know, I, I'd recommend going to see if you like those throwback thrillers from uh, a couple of decades ago. I enjoyed it. John didn't. So uh, yep. again, we amicably disagree. He didn't speak to me for about three weeks after I mentioned my in-game review, but <laughs> I'm glad he's back on talking terms now. <laughs> and just for just for uh, honesty, that's a lie. <laughs> he did. Um, and the final film which I saw alone, um, I literally was alone as well, was The Curse of La Yedonia. Um, I thought nobody wanted to go with me to watch it. Um, and now I know why. It, we mentioned The Conjuring Verse. It's directed by Michael Chavez who's also going to be directing The Conjuring 3. He's, uh, James Wan's project, pro, producing, sorry, and Michael Chavez is directing. And he kind of had... He dipped his toe in the water with La Llorona. Um And if you've seen the poster for, poster for this film, you're, you're going to you know it's not very good because it just screams from the director and the producer of The Conjuring. Rather than mention the director, it just shouts out The Conjuring and James Wan. It hangs its hat firmly on that. And you think, right, well, clearly this is not going to be very good. And it really wasn't very good. It is tied into the Conjuring universe, though. It's not a spoiler. It is part of that universe now. But only because they like a throwaway mention here and a quick um, visual cue here and there. But it's based on the La Llorona legend from Latin America about a, le- a lady who murdered her children in a lake out of vengeance. And to me, this was kind of like... It felt like the nun at times. And the nun was bloody awful. Yep. And La Llorona wasn't much better. It was a better film, but not by much. It's just basically it's it, it's horror by numbers. You know what's coming. You could tell it from a mile off. It's all shout and no whisper. Like, you know, it's all jump scares and everything. It's there's no build up. There's no tension. There are a few good scenes in this. There's one the bathtub scene was very good, but other than that, it's just cliche after cliche after convention. It doesn't really leave any impression on me. Um, Linda Carnalini, she stars in this. She does her best. She's fine. Uh, everybody else, I can't I don't remember who's in the film. A guy called Raymond Cruz. He played a priest, and my god, my god, this is some of the worst acting I've ever. Seen. This was kind of like beat. This is like sea movie or sci-fi channel acting. It, and I'm sorry for listening, Raymond, but this was it. It, it was awful. Um, yeah, the scares are telegraphed. You know what's coming next. The character of Laonia wasn't particularly interesting um, the writing wasn't great the visuals weren't excellent there's not really much to take from this it could have been good but I'm just finding that good horror films are few and far between recently we've mentioned Us and I liked It from a few years ago and um, Hereditary I liked that really good horror films are few and far between now I thought the premise of this film was great I thought it was excellent Playing off an old legend and ha- and having it to be a Latin American legend, you know, bringing shining a light uh, um, uh, uh, there was great. But it's just formulaic, it's mediocre, and it's that's just boring, uninteresting. It's you know, it's I would recommend you don't bother watching this because you're not missing anything. And that's I went alone because nobody wanted to watch it with me, and there wasn't that many people in the cinema, and it was just 
and it's just a collective malaise hung over the screen. So, you know, again, it's not the worst film I've seen of the year. It's it's comfortably low, um, sort of lower tier though. So, if I know John, I mentioned it that you know, horror isn't the isn't what John gravitates to. I know you enjoy it, but you yeah. always gravitate. Don't don't bother with this because it's it's not yeah, good. Yeah, I I try as a, a wanting to be a critic. I feel a sense of obligation to see most new movies that come out. But there are some where I just won't put myself through it. And this movie looked so bad to me in the trailer. Uh, Big Tuna saw it at South By, and he said it was really bad. You've said it's really bad. Um, I'm not going to subject myself to it. Even though it's part of the Conjuring universe, and I've seen all the other ones, almost. I actually did skip the first Annabelle. but um, <laughs> That wasn't very good either. That's why I've skipped it. Uh, but I kind of wish the Conjuring thing would just fade out. Like I don't like, And like you said, they're just forcing this one in the universe. Yeah. Um, I've heard they're still going to the make the first Conjuring was awesome. oh the first Sorry to jump no in. no the first Conjuring was one of the best horror films yeah. I've seen agreed in a lot certainly this decade that's why I'm so disappointed with the universe because that first film is so good and the second yeah. one's got good stuff I don't think the Conjuring two is perfect um, I I really hated all the Crooked Man stuff no I didn't like the second film particularly yeah it's far too long and um you know like I like the Annabelle creation that Sandberg yep. directed um for the most part I'm not looking forward to the new Annabelle movie even though the Warrens are at least in it this time but um and then Conjuring 3 not being directed by James Wan I'm just like well that was the staple was that Wan was doing yeah. the Conjuring movies at least so yeah and if you want to watch what it may feel like Lally on it may be if it's anything like that because it's, it's the same director then Oh boy! Oh, man. I mean, when does when does it stop becoming the Conjuring, and when does it start becoming Annabelle? Because they seem to be the one and the same now, with the Warrens running around in the Annabelle film, and I don't know. But I love the first Conjuring. I so I really think that was a really creepy, scary, not uh, tight horror film. Yep. And it it could have done, but it could they could have really spun off quite well. But when you get things like the Nun, Annabelle, probably um, one of these these next few films. Uh, they, they're like yeah, lay you on you. They're gonna have the crooked man film apparently. I mean, you know, I can just see straight away what what they how they're gonna play out. Formulaic, cliched, conventional. Um, all I want is to go to a horror film, horror screening on a dark night. Well, all nights are dark. Uh, on a in the evening, and just enjoy a horror film. Get that feeling of coming out and looking over your shoulder and feel generally creeped out. Yeah, and I'm just not getting it. And and I love horror. I love horror as a genre. And I'm just not getting that feeling. I mean, what I mean, what have we had this year? We had a uh, yeah, Happy Death Day to you. Didn't uh, like that. Nope. Uh, as 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 <laughs> as we as we mentioned, Us, excellent film, brilliant film. Was was that full on horror? It was more horror than Get Out. But was it full on horror? Horror? It was an. It had uh, you know maybe, but Pet Cemetery, it was okay. I I enjoyed it, but we're still waiting for that for another classic horror film us though was uh bloody good sure definitely and again it is a different type of movie but um overall you know the month of april i thought um two good comic book movies one atrocity of a comic movie and (laughs) one where we're split on pet cemetery whether or not uh it's good or bad but i i feel like not as good as it could have been at the very least you know yeah, I agree. And what the the positive to take from this as well is that the upcoming, or the, essentially the rest of the year now, 
the the Bamps, the bloody awesome movement. We're going to be we struggle. We're going to struggle to find the to the top four. Yeah, and we and in and in May when we get to that, we struggle to put the top four together because there's so many coming out which warrant being in there and there's so many big films coming out still that's what i get so excited about is that we're always going to have some massive films to talk speak about so i'm so looking forward to to may already but so before we before we go i think we've just kind of wrapped it up we had april was massive in terms of box office mainly down to one film april this year may have given us the biggest film of all time in pretty much every way possible i can't see any film Getting if if Endgame takes the top spot, I can't see a film in you know the next decade or two taking that title, taking its title, it's taking long enough to take Avatar. Well, so it should be noted. It's been a real quick on that note that there are five movies to ever hit the two billion dollar point, and now after Disney's acquisition of Fox, Disney owns all five of the <laughs> movies that have the highest and box office in history. We've still got The Lion King to come out. We've got The Rise of Skywalker. None of those are going to come close to what Endgame's taken. Rise of Skywalker. But we know they're going to... I... I... I don't think so. I think it's going to be. Com- I think it's going to be maybe one point six, one point seven billion, and that's which I say that like it's a little amount of money, but I don't think it's going to come close to two billion. That's coming from a big fan of the franchise. I think it but... will depend on if the fandom that currently hates Star Wars because of Last Jedi, <laughs> if they are on board. Nobody with... hates Star Wars like Star Wars fans. If uh, if JJ is able to bring those people back, they will they will come in droves for multiple screenings, and that's going to be the the big determination to me is if. Rise of Skywalker satisfies the fans who were so dejected by Last Jedi. Um, will it? It could do what Force because don't forget what Force Awakens did. Force Awakens took the world domestic box office record from Avatar and was yeah, just yeah. shy of the worldwide. Um, and now Endgame, yes, uh, doing it, but I think uh, Star Wars has a big enough fandom if they can bring back the people who have abandoned the franchise. Um, like they did with Force Awakens, because keep in mind when Force Awakens came out, some Star Wars fans had abandoned the franchise because of the prequels. Yeah, the prequel Malaysia. Yeah, so it, but it's I, possible. I think it would. I think it would do. It would do big money, but nothing's coming close to Endgame. Yeah. But Disney's gonna have a good year. Toy Story Four, Frozen Two, Rise of Skywalker, The Lion King, uh, Spider Man Far From Home is what Marvel and Sony. And Dark Phoenix. Um, Dark Phoenix. Oh, Isn't that being moved now to next year? Sorry. No, they pushed. Uh, oh, that's new mutants. They put new mutants yeah. back, but Dark Phoenix is yeah. going to come out, and it has a two-hour and forty-minute runtime. That is a that isn't that isn't an, an insult. Yeah. to cinema goes everywhere. Yep. I am so not. excited You watch about it be that. the best film of the year now. But, well, uh, hey, um, yeah, stop win it. me over. That's great. <laughs> yeah, if I can go into Dark Phoenix, if I can come out of Dark Phoenix thinking, you know, that was okay, and well, that wasn't as bad as I thought it was going to be. It's going to be a success, and I think I think it will be a success on the fact that people will go into it, and maybe enjoy it slightly more than they thought they would. But it just seems a bit like a rehash of X Men Three yeah. at the minute, which um, isn't a good thing to hang your hat on. Well, so April April's a good month for the most part, I think. They w- but I think we can agree that other than Endgame going forward, we're going to have bigger and better months, and May is going to be a good month. But I think that's pretty much it for this episode of the Bam. So. Uh, for, until next time, where can the world find JB online? You can follow me at Burke Reviews on all the social media and BurkeReviews.com for all my reviews, uh, which I try to keep up quite a bit. Yes, please do go check them out. They're well worth it. And this is a festival goer man who has tasted some of New York's finest food. So just ask him about that as well. Uh, you can find me at whatiwatchtonight.co.uk. 
Um, same handle on Twitter, Instagram. Uh, you can find me and John on Movie Astrology, our regular podcast where we look back at uh, years in film. But uh, like I say, until then, we will we will catch you in May for another bundle of movies. But from till for, until then, from me, it's see ya. And from John, keep watching movies. Bloody awesome. Blood, 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 bl